This is Sam. And this is Kareen, and we are two Oncoducts. This week's episode will be focusing on adrenocortical carcinomas. This is a very rare tumor. I think I saw one in fellowship and one as an attending, so you likely won't be heavily tested on boards on this topic, but if you do encounter a patient or if there is a question or two, hopefully this episode will help you ace those questions, and we will go over the important details on the presentation, diagnosis, and treatment. I agree. I have never seen one of these in person, but I feel like if I ever would, it would be on a vignette on test day because they do like to pull some rare things out, especially if there's not been a lot of changes um, in the treatment. So to start us off, how do adrenal tumors generally present? So they can present from the symptoms of hormone production or be found incidentally on imaging. It's important to note that most will be benign, non-functioning adenomas if you do see an adrenal tumor on a CT. And those are usually known as adrenal incidentalomas. And then other benign adrenal tumors can also secrete hormones and cause Cushing syndrome, hyperaldosteronism. That's a mouthful. And um, but adrenal cortical carcinomas are rare, but they're often aggressive. They can produce hormones and be classified as functional and cause Cushing's and or virilization, or they can be non-functional. And so usually if you see an adrenal tumor on a CT, then you'll perform an adrenal protocol CT, or you could do an MRI in addition to functional evaluation in terms of lab work. So you mentioned Cushing's. Can you quickly remind us of the typical symptoms of Cushing's or virilization? Yes. So Cushing's, a patient may present with hypertension, purple striae, easy bruising, acne, central and facial weight gain hirsutism, or thick, dark hair on the face and body, irregular periods, erectile dysfunction, as well as muscle weakness. And then virilization is the development of muscle bulk, body hair, and a deep voice in a female as a result of excess androgen production. Great. And so what features on imaging may suggest an adrenal cortical carcinoma rather than a benign tumor? So usually these tumors will be larger, so over four centimeters, have a higher attenuation, irregular borders, calcifications, invasion of surrounding structures, or lymph node enlargement. And the CT attenuation is known as Hounsfield units, or HU, is typically 20 to 50% contrast washout at 10 minutes, which is a higher washout due to being lipid rich, whereas benign tumors usually have a lower washout. And what additional evaluation is needed when an adrenal cortical carcinoma is suspected? You'll perform a bone scan and get a CT chest, abdomen, pelvis, and sometimes a PET scan is also done. In terms of the hormonal evaluation, you'll obtain a fasting blood glucose, potassium, cortisol, ACTH, 24-hour urinary free cortisol, a fasting serum cortisol at 8 a.m. followed by one milligram of dexamethasone or the dexamethasone stim test adrenal androgens, serum estradiol, aldosterone, as well as renin. Great. And so when it comes to staging, how do we stage adrenal cortical carcinoma? Stage one is confined to the adrenal gland and is under or equal to five centimeters. Stage two is greater than five centimeters. Stage three is if you have local infiltration or positive lymph nodes. And then stage four is if you have distant metastases. And unfortunately, most patients present with advanced disease. And when we think about treatment, can we talk about how we treat stages one through three of adrenal cortical carcinoma? Yes. So surgery is performed for any resectable stage one to three. It's important to know that before surgical excision, all patients must undergo this hormonal evaluation, which I just mentioned. 
And if the tumor is invading adjacent organs, it's important to remove the involved organs as well. And suspicious lymph nodes should also be resected. There is some debate over the role of maximal debulking for tumors that cannot be removed entirely. And there is no defined role of neoadjuvant chemotherapy. Terrific. And so who needs adjuvant systemic therapy if surgery is performed? So this is based on three major prognostic factors, tumor stage, completeness of resection, and the KI-67. So those with a complete resection known as R0 and a low KI-67, so under or equal to 10%, can avoid adjuvant treatment. Those who don't meet those criteria should be considered for adjuvant mitotain, um, which is usually a long duration of adjuvant treatment, so three to five years of mitotain. And then those with very high recurrence, so a KI-67 over 20%, an extensive vascular invasion or vena cava thrombus should be considered for mitotain with chemotherapy, which is generally cisplatin or carboplatin with etoposide. Right. And how about radiation? Who would need adjuvant radiation after surgery? If you have incomplete resection, stage two disease, spillage at the time of resection, or high grade Um, you do need to consider adjuvant radiation for those patients as well. Okay. And what if an adrenal cortical carcinoma is unresectable or metastatic? How do we treat those? So there are very limited options, unfortunately, because this is so rare. So systemic options and NCCN only lists two preferred regimens. So the regimen is mitotain plus EDP and E stands for etoposide. D stands for doxorubicin, and P stands for platinum, whether it's cisplatin or carboplatin. And you really should consider referral to a tertiary center for consideration of clinical trial if able. And uh, one other pearl is for small, unresectable tumors under five centimeters, you can consider radiofrequency ablation. Great. And I know you've mentioned mitotain a few times. I have to say, I've never given it. I don't know much about it. So can you tell us about the monitoring and the toxicities of this drug? Yes. So this is one of those unique drugs and cancer treatment where we actually check for the levels and the level goal mitotain is 14 to 20 micrograms per milliliter. And it does have adrenalytic activity and can cause adrenal insufficiency. So most patients may end up needing hydrocortisone and it can also cause aldosterone deficiency. So patients do need to have their blood pressure checked as well as a potassium every three months and a plasma renin every six months. And those that develop aldosterone insufficiency may need fludrocortisone. Right. And then are there any other key pearls for adrenal cortical carcinomas? Yes. So if patients have Cushing's and adrenal cortical carcinoma, it's not controlled by mitotain. So they may need treatment with drugs called metiripone, or sometimes you can also add ketoconazole, the antifungal. Great. So this was an awesome quick episode on, I think, a rare but possibly testable topic of adrenal cortical carcinoma. And so what are our key takeaways? So you'll have a vignette with symptoms of excessive hormone production like Cushing's or virilization. And if you see those, be thinking about adrenal cortical carcinoma. That hormonal evaluation is very important. Know that for localized adrenal cortical carcinoma, do surgery upfront if possible. And then if you have a high risk of recurrence, so if you have incomplete resection or a high KI-67, you do need adjuvant mitotain. And then in some cases, you also need to add chemotherapy with either cisplatin etoposide or carboplatin etoposide. And that mitotain is actually up to three to five years. And then for metastatic or unresectable disease, it's a similar regimen. So mitotain 
with EDP. So that same platinum etoposide, but you also add doxorubicin. And because these tumors are so rare, please refer to clinical trials when able to. Great. And so as always, thank you guys for listening and good luck with studying for boards for 2024. Please feel free to reach out to us with corrections or comments on our Instagram or our Twitter, 2OncDocs. Have a great week.